everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. I'm your host, Cassidy Lynn. And if you're watching on YouTube, I've got a new little office couch to record my podcast on. If you're not watching, it's kind of just like a little bubble couch. It's like a love seat and it's white. It's really cute. So I'm going to be chilling here and recording all my podcasts here from now on because I am like obsessed with it. It's so comfy and like I don't know. It's so cute. And it was really easy to assemble, which is a big thing for me recently, which I will expand on that in a minute. So welcome. Welcome back. I haven't done a solo episode in two weeks. You guys really loved my episode two weeks ago with Jai Long. You guys literally loved it. And I'm so glad because I love the episode too. And I love putting out episodes that I love. It's, it's, it's a great feeling. So yeah, it was a really great episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go back to episodes and go listen to it. Super good. We talked all about like business strategy and stuff like that. He's so smart. So it's like, it's a really good episode. So welcome back. We're going to talk about hot takes today, specifically within the photography industry. Like what are some hot takes? And then we're going to, you know, debunk them or agree with them or just kind of talk about them. This isn't necessarily going to be like a super educational episode where you leave with all of these millions of new ideas and new things. However, we are going to, you know, talk about some things that maybe have been on your mind or heart recently when it comes to photography. So we're going to kind of dig deep in that way. This is just kind of like a fun little photography episode. Okay. So let me give you guys some updates on what's been going on in my life and just like everything in general. So last Saturday, you know how normally on Saturdays I like shoot weddings and stuff and then like Charlie shoots with me. Well, this past Saturday, I didn't have a wedding and Charlie actually had a disc golf tournament. And he, if you guys don't know, he's like really into disc golf. He has been for like many years, but like low key, in my opinion, I think he's really good. Like I've seen other people play and he's pretty good. Like he can get like a bogey, which is like, wait, a birdie, not a bogey. He can get a birdie, which is like one under par, like basically every single hole, which is good. Like, okay. So he played in this tournament and I like carried his bag for him. Kind of, it's kind of a heavy bag. So I kind of gave up after a little bit, but I like walked around with him and stuff. And he like did this tournament. He is so good. Like in my opinion, I was like, dang, you are slaying. And he literally out of 70 people got 11th place. Okay. Which is a big deal. This was like this wasn't like the pro league. Obviously, he's not like a pro disc golfer, but it's a league right under pro, which is like amateur. And like all these people that are competing in this tournament are like potentially going pro. So it was a big deal that he got 11th place. He literally hasn't done a tournament in so long. And he just like shows up and gets 11th place. I'm, you know, that feeling where like your significant other does something that they're really passionate about and they like start to succeed at it. I don't know. That's kind of like how I'm feeling. Just like a proud moment of just like, wow, this is really cool. You know, he's like going, doing something that he likes and he's like getting good at it. Even if he wasn't good, I would still be proud of him. But yeah, I just thought that was a fun little thing I wanted to share. 
And, you know, obviously he's not on the podcast today, but if he was, he would be telling us all about this tournament. It actually is pretty fun to watch. Speaking of things that you can watch, I actually watched the Barbie movie last week and there are some like mixed reviews out there about it, but I just want to let you guys know I loved it. I'm obsessed with the Barbie movie. Um, yeah, that that's all I have to say. Just only you guys know I loved it. And this is not my Casa Das. What is it? <laughs> the Mojo Casa House Dojo. What literally? What is it called? It's like whatever they say. Oh my gosh! Now I sound stupid because I can't remember what they said in the movie. Mojo Dojo Casa House is what it was called. This is not a Mojo Dojo casa house in case you're wondering okay moving on so as you guys know we recently moved and we like our other house that we had we actually are renting out we kept it and we didn't sell it and because of that we decided that we wanted to redo a bathroom that's in our basement and we literally just started yesterday and yesterday we completely like demoed the whole thing. Like we went in there and like knocked down stuff. We took everything apart and like are getting rid of all of it. Cause it was like gross is it's really gross guys. I shared some of it on my Instagram stories. Like it looks straight out of like the upside down, like from stranger things. Like there's these spider webs, but they're like black. Okay. And we literally found spider eggs. Like it was horrendous like deserves jail time truly so bad so we're redoing our bathroom I'm actually really excited because now we're at the point where everything's out and now we get to replace things and make things look nice and cute so we get to add paint and stuff so that's exciting I want to talk to you guys quickly about my furniture saga I don't know if this is going to be quick to be honest because I have so much to say so I've been posting on my Instagram stories a little bit about like how we just moved into this house and how I've been ordering some furniture and like I've been so excited for it to arrive whatever but I just have really bad luck when it comes to furniture I don't know what it is it's like something that I order online like it either comes damaged or like doesn't come at all or whatever so let me tell you guys a few examples okay so we ordered a new dining room table for our house. It's like this white concrete pedestal table. Okay. So cute. Literally obsessed with it. I had to order it. I ordered it like three weeks ago. At this point it was four weeks ago, but it came like at the three week mark and I had to order it. Like I had to order like a white glove delivery service because it's so heavy that like you need four people to bring it inside. Right. So I, you know, the delivery truck comes, they are like bringing stuff into my house and there's only two guys. So I was a little concerned and they get everything set up and then they need to bring in the tabletop, like the top of the table. And as they're bringing it in, like they get all the way to the top of my driveway. They're like sweating. Like I'm watching and they're struggling. And then they get to the top of the driveway and they ask me like, Hey, can you come out here and like, look at the table? And just like, look at something for us. So I go out there and they show me there's like three super deep, like gouges on the top of the table. Like they're like, mm, I would say like at least four inches long. And it like in the middle of the table, one is kind of like 
in a corner. Like it would be very visible. And like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. We paid like decent money for this table. So it comes damaged. And I'm like, no, I actually don't want this. Like they, they asked me like, do you want this or do you want to send it back? And I was like, I actually want to send it back. Like I felt so bad because they like carried it all the way up my driveway. So that happened. Our new table just shipped. So that's a good thing. But literally waited forever for my dining room table. Didn't come. Then we ordered this bed frame for our bedroom up all the way upstairs. We have three floors and our rooms on the third floor and we order it. It comes finally after like three weeks and it requires a box spring. So like we go to bring this box spring that we have up to our room and it literally gets stuck in the doorway and we cannot get it up all the way to the third floor. So then we had to go and order a new box spring, like one that's collapsible. So that was the problem with our bed frame. Then this one guys really takes the cake. (laughs) I ordered a new desk for my office because I just wanted to spruce things up a little bit. I've been like wanting to, rebuild the space a little bit and start fresh with our with my new office like have new areas new sitting areas just like give it a different vibe so I order a new desk because I've had the desk that I had before for like two years and it takes like five days to get here so it finally arrives and I'm vlogging this whole thing by the way so like I actually have videos of all this the desk arrives and Charlie is like off at our other house like doing something else so I am like, oh, I'll just bring the desk up to my office by myself. Like, this is kind of my new thing is like, I'm just moving furniture by myself. I'm being my own furniture mover. I can do it by myself. So I start to move this desk and it is the heaviest thing I've ever lifted. And I couldn't even get it off my front porch. Like I had to like drag it. It took me like 10 minutes to get it inside our house. And finally I get it inside, like just into our entryway. And so I'm like, this is too heavy. I'm just going to open it and bring it up piece by piece because it's like, there's no way I can get this up the stairs because my office is on the second floor and I open it up and I'm not kidding guys. It is a box of a hundred pounds of weights. Like, you know, like those circular weights that you can put on like a bar, like those types of weights, a hundred pounds worth. There's like one that's 15 pounds. There's one that was like 25 and 10. And there was like so many weights in this box. I was genuinely carrying a box of weights and I looked at my Amazon order. They thought that that was supposed to have my desk in it. Okay. So I just can't get anything right when it comes to furniture. And I've had three just like bad experiences. So I think I'm cursed, honestly, but the saga never ends. Like I still haven't received my dining table or my desk. So stay tuned. Um, that was a really, I'm sorry. That was a really long explanation, but I just had to, I had to get it out there because life is not happening for me when it comes to furniture. Okay. Before we get into the hot takes, I actually got a request from someone to tell you guys the story of when I pretended to be a hiking guide for a proposal. And I realized I never, I don't think I've ever told the story on the podcast. So let me set the scene for you guys a little bit. I used to live in upstate New York in the Adirondack mountains. And I had this guy reach out to me and he wanted to propose on the top of this or at the peak I think it's called the peak or like the overlook 
of this hike called Indian Head. It's like really popular and like it's like Instagram famous, Pinterest famous, whatever. So he reached out to me and he wanted to propose there. However, if you're a local or you've ever done this hike, it's five miles to the peak and then five miles down. It's not like super hard hiking. It's mainly like literally I would say 75% of it is just walking up this access road because you can't like drive up a bit. Like you have to walk it. So a lot of it's just like a slow, just like walk up this road. But then you have a little bit of a hike. Okay. So this guy wants to propose at the top of this mountain, but he's like, I've never done this hike before. So he asked if I could like if he could tell his soon to be fiance that I was just like a hiking guide that he found on Yelp. And so I was going to be hiking with them, just like guide them up this hike. And I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Like should be pretty easy. I mean, I've, I've done the hike at this point. I had done it like four or five times. So I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I like meet with them at the bottom of this mountain. It's like this parking lot. It's literally three in the morning because they wanted to get up there for sunrise. You also have to beat the traffic of like everyone tries to hike this hike and there's a limited parking. There's like a parking lot with like 12 spots. So you basically have to be like the first person to get there. So we, I meet them and I instantly become the actress of the century guys. Like I, the, the Oscar that, that should be in my hand right now for my performance. I, kicked it into full hiking guide mode. So I am bringing them up this mountain and I'm telling them all about the hike. I'm telling them about the scenery and about the area. And like, at this point, I think I was also making stuff up. Okay. And this girl had no idea. I also want to let you guys know, we were probably 10 minutes from the view, like in the hike, we were 10 minutes away. And the girl like turns to me and she is like, I don't think I can keep going. I'm so tired. And I literally looked at her and I was like, you have to keep going. Like you do not have a choice. Please keep going. Because I didn't want to be like, girl, you're going to get proposed to, but like low key girl, you're going to get proposed to. I didn't say that, but like it, I, I was trying to tell it to her in my eyes. You know what I mean? So we finally get to the top of this hike and this girl still thinks I'm a hiking guide. I was telling them kind of on the way up. I was like, yeah, I dabble in photography. Um, I'm probably going to get some fun shots up there. Like once we get up there. So I was kind of prepping them for the idea of like, I'm going to pull my camera out when I get up there. So I, you know, I get up there and I pull my camera out and start taking pictures. I think at one point I did ask them if they wanted a photo. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I was like taking photos on my camera and I was like, Hey, do you guys want a photo? Like, and they were like, Oh sure. And then they were like sitting on the edge of like, there's kind of like a little cliff. They were sitting on the edge with their feet dangling. He actually like pulled the ring out and put it behind her back. And I was like taking photos. She literally had no idea. So that that's kind of the story. And actually after I shot their proposal, I also did their engagement and then they flew me out to Long Island like a month ago to do their wedding. So that was really fun. And I actually, they actually gave me a shout out during the ceremony and like talked about that little story a little bit, which I thought was so cute. So yeah, that's the story of the time that I 
pretended to be a hiking guide for a proposal. I don't shoot very many proposals nowadays, but they are like the most stressful thing ever. So I'm sure if any of you shoot proposals, you get it. Like it's so stressful. Okay. I am going to get into some of these hot takes today. We've got a lot. So buckle in. Okay. Okay. The first hot take we have. Um, this person says, stop taking pictures at weddings just for the pics when it's not a real moment. So the example that they gave was a sparkler exit. I kind of agree with this. Like as a wedding photographer, when these moments are happening, but they're not actually real, like it almost feels, it feels fake. Like, it feels like you did this entire wedding day just for a photo. Sometimes that is genuinely how a wedding day feels. Um, and I, I, I agree with this. Like, don't just set, set up these scenarios just to get the pictures. Unless that's what you really want. Like, I, I don't know. It does sometimes feel really, really fake. I think there are some things that are fun that you know, are just like fun moments that you can get photos of. So like, for example, like a champagne tower, like if you're going to do it and like all the guests are there, like it's fun. That's a moment. Like obviously you're doing it for the photo. Same with like the cake cutting and stuff. But sometimes there are moments where you do things that are just for photos. And I mean, if that's what you want, that's fine. If you just want like cool photos for your wedding day, that is totally fine. Like it's literally your wedding day. You do what you want. But I feel like there comes a point where it stops feeling like a wedding and it starts to feel more like a production. And that's where I feel like you get this inauthentic feeling on your wedding day. And I don't know if it's just like from the view of the photographer that it feels like that or if, you know, the couple feels like that, too, sometimes. Um, But I mean, that's that's a real thing that happens. I would agree with that one. The next hot take, it's okay to do free sessions. Yeah, I agree with that one. I think I've talked about this a few times on the podcast. Like if you need to build your portfolio, why not do a free session? Or like if you just want like more photos to post, if you want more content, like why not? Sometimes I think that like free sessions are looked down upon so much where it's like people are going to judge you if you do a free session, but like No, I want you guys to know on my road trip this year, I did, I think it was one free session and then I did two paid sessions, but like I literally did a free session on my road trip. Like what's the problem? Like I wanted the content, like I want to travel to California more. So like when I was in California, I wanted to get California content. I don't know if I genuinely like could have booked something like that did like, I don't know if I could have booked something that someone would have paid me for in California at this point in time. Cause I don't have anything in my portfolio. You know what I mean? So I was like, I need to do a free session just to get it done, get it in the books. It's going to help my SEO. Like, so I did it and I don't think there's any shame in that. So I, I agree with that one too, honestly. Like if you think it's going to help you like do it, at the end of the day, I think we care so much about what other people think about us. Like 
just do what is going to work for your business. Like just look out for your business and that's it. Like who cares if someone else thinks that it's not a good idea because it's not, it's not their business. They don't get to make that decision. Okay. That's it. Period. (laughs) This next hot take backlit golden hour photos are not it. I love candid photos. I hate the word candid. Okay. So there's kind of two parts here. The backlit golden hour photos are not it. I think they're really pretty, but I almost would rather have like backlit golden hour reception photos or something like, or like just something that feels more candid. I really like at this point in time, I really love indirect sun and I love like using my flash outside and kind of getting like that type of photo indirect sun I might be wrong about this, but indirect sun is basically like an area that's shaded, but it still has good lighting and it's, it's like bright out, but it's like a shaded patch where it's bright out. So it's like really good lighting. I've been loving that type of vibe lately, but also like using my flash and stuff. So I would agree backlit golden hour photos sometimes are not it. I actually was talking about this with a photographer, um, that I'm friends with. And basically she was telling me that she has booked, she has golden hour booked every Tuesday and Thursday until I think literally November. So she has her golden hour slot is booked up until November. So I literally told her, I was like, you need to charge more for golden hour. Like if that's what everyone wants, charge more for it. Because she, she was saying that she like, she does like multiple time slots on a day, but like the last people get the best lighting. So I'm, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if that's what everyone wants, everyone's booking her for golden hour. Like why not charge more for that? Then you're not booked out until November, but also like the people that really want it are able to get it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's more, it just makes more sense in my head from a business perspective. Like if you know, that's what people want, why not charge more for it and like make it more of a hot commodity, like more limited almost. I know that kind of has nothing to do with this hot take because this person says that those photos are not it. But I do think a lot of people are looking for that in this moment, like just kind of like the vibe of what's currently popular in photography. I think the two things that are really popular right now, golden hour and that like flash editorial vibe those two two types of lighting I personally think are what is super popular right now so I don't know if I agree with that one but you know if you don't like golden hour that's fine hey the next part of this hot take is I love candid photos but I hate the word candid (laughs) I don't like how often people use the word candid because I don't think clients really understand what candid means. I think that clients think that candid means like natural, but candid to me means it's a moment that I didn't orchestrate. Like as the photographer, I didn't orchestrate that moment to happen. Whereas a lot of people want natural photos. They don't necessarily want candid photos because candid to me is like something that happens naturally 
And a lot of the times, if someone says, oh, I want candid photos, they're going to come and show you, like, just photos of, like, natural posing and, like, posing that feels more authentic and prompted rather than, like, super stiff posing. But it's not truly candid. If you really wanted candid photos, you would hire a photographer and they would just follow you around for two hours and your photographer would not say a single word. Like, they would not tell you anything to do. Like, that is candid right so I think a lot of the times that word can be misused or overused or just used in a way that's not accurate um so yeah I would agree I kind of hate the word candid but I love I also love actually getting candid photos so who knows the next hot take orangey pics are going out of style Ooh, tea. I I can say that we we all probably have been feeling like this, like the overly orange edit. It it is kind of making its way out. I would say more so like the over edited vibe is making its way out. And like the the vibe that's more popular right now is kind of like the less edit, like less is more. To an extent, I think people still like an edit, but I don't think they like the edit to be so like powerful that you can't even like tell what color the trees were or like, you know, it's making someone's skin like so orange. I would agree the orangey style, it's go it's going out of style for sure. I I think if you like that style though, like you keep doing it. Like you do you, do what you like. At the end of the day, if you're not taking photos that you like, you're not going to be passionate about what you do and you're you're going to hate it. Like you're going to hate taking photos and you're going to hate editing them because you don't like the art that you're producing. So when it comes to an edit, I say just edit however feels right to you, however you like it. That's going to be the true art form and that's where like the real magic happens. Okay. So Yeah. Maybe the orange edit isn't completely in style, but sometimes I wonder, like, I don't know, does it really matter what's in style or out of style as long as you like what you're doing? Just something to think about. Hot take. I kind of think having two cameras and a third film camera is too complicated for a wedding day. I am so glad that someone said this because I agree. Personally, I kind of think that two camera bodies is a lot for a wedding day. And I'm not the only one that thinks this. I've spoken to like wedding guests and stuff where they they've seen photographers with like the double harness and they have like a camera on each side and they think it's so intimidating. It's so complicated and it kind of makes you stand out a little bit. So for me, I keep one camera body and then I'll just switch out my lens if I need to. Granted, I do have Charlie shooting with me. So if I know I'm going to quickly need to switch from like a 35 to an 85, I'll have him be on an 85 and then I'll be like, okay, switch cameras. And then I'll have an 85 and I'll be able to get the shot that I need. Now, on top of that, adding a film camera to it. Is it complicated having multiple cameras? Yes, absolutely. That's just kind of like a naturally complicated setup. If you think about it, like Having multiple cameras is complicated. Like no one's going to deny that. However, if that's something that your client wants, if your client wants like 
a bunch of different vibes. If they want film and digital and all that different stuff, you have to have multiple cameras. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Annie Graham on Instagram, but she's been doing like Polaroid albums for her clients. And she's been taking photos throughout the day, these Polaroids, and then putting them together in like a Polaroid book and giving them to her clients at the end of the day as like an instant memory. Like it's, it's like an instant sneak peek almost. And something like that, I think is so valuable for your client experience. such a good idea. However, it does require you having two, three cameras while you shoot. So with film being more popular right now, I do think that sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But for me, if I was offering digital and film, I probably would keep my film camera like tucked away and then pull it out at certain moments. I wouldn't keep it out all the time just to make sure that like I'm not overcomplicating things. I hope that makes sense. But at the same time, I don't want to shame anyone that uses multiple cameras or has, you know, 5 million cameras out. Cause I do think you're ultra prepared. If you've got three cameras out, you're ready to go. You're ready to get the shot. And honestly, that that's a nice, that's a nice way to have things set up too. This next hot take, I won't pay for another photographer to take my photos. It's too expensive. I just set up a tripod. (laughs) Oh, that is so funny. That is like low-key kind of relatable because it's like, I know I can take the photos myself. I know I can take them well. It's going to be exactly what I want, most likely exactly what I want. So like, why would I pay someone else to do that? (laughs) It's funny. It's like, we're all about like, charge your worth, raise your prices, boo. Like, come on, like you need to charge more. And then when it comes to you actually booking a photo session, you're like, yeah, absolutely not. Like I'm not paying that. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of relatable though. I remember I booked a session for me and Charlie's just like couples photos. I remember being like, wow, this is expensive. Like I paid like, I think $600 and I was like, wow, this is so expensive. I think at the time I was maybe charging 400. So I, I understand the feeling, but I will say like, there are just some photos you cannot get by setting up a tripod. Like, there, there, you just can't, you can't do it all. You can get pretty dang close, but I just feel like there are some photos you can't get with a tripod. I also feel like the ease of it all and the stress of it, like it's going to go away if you have someone else do it. So I, I kind of get both sides to this, <laughs> but that is funny. Literally a photographer admitting that they won't pay for their own photos. That's so funny. A very big majority of wedding photographers do weddings because of the pay, not because they love it. Hot take. That is a hot take. I mean, I don't really know. I can't speak for everyone. I know that for me, I, okay. So I would say when I first was starting, it probably was more for the pay of it. But as I got into it more and I started to really find my style and my niche and my clientele. That's when I started to really love it. And like on a wedding day, 
I don't ever think like, oh, this person is paying me five grand. Like I never think that. I just always think about what I'm doing and like how important my job is and how creatively exciting my job is. But I do think when I was first starting, like some of those weddings that maybe my clients didn't treat me the best or I don't know, I just felt like it wasn't like my dream wedding to shoot. Those weddings felt a little bit more like a paycheck. Um, So, yeah, I, I can see both sides of this, but I will say for me, it started to feel less like a job and more like fun once I started to get into it more and found a little bit more of my niche and like my people that I really liked to photograph and like my style. Okay. So that's, that's kind of what I, how I feel about that one, but that's some tea. Okay. Next hot take. You don't have to work with every client that reaches out to you. Um, yeah, I 100% agree with this. I actually just filmed a TikTok about this. The concept of like almost, it's almost like a scarcity mindset on your end as the photographer feeling like if I don't book this person, I'm not going to get another booking for this day. And like, there's not enough clients out there. I'm not going to get another booking for this day. So like I need to book this person Otherwise, I'm not going to get a booking. Like, I want to be here to tell you guys that you don't have to book every single client that reaches out to you. Because when you do, that's when you start to get burnout. That's when you start to overbook. That's when you start to get bookings that don't feel like you or feel more like a paycheck. So in order to avoid those things, like, you really have to make sure that these clients that are reaching out to you, like it's really something that you want to do. Now there is always a time and place where you just need money. You just need to book clients. I get that. So if that's you, like you keep, you keep booking every single client that reaches out to you. I've been there. I've done that. I get it. But I also think as you're trying to grow your business and you know, get a little bit more niche, get, get those bookings that really excite you. You're going to have to say no to some people. And I think part of it is just having a good process of like weeding out the people that aren't a good fit for you. So how do you do that on your website contact form? Ask them questions about like, um, use some words to describe the photography you're looking for, or like asking them stuff like that. Or maybe you um, hop on a call with them and you just really dig into figuring out the style that they like. Maybe you even ask them, like, what about my photos are you drawn to? So then you can really understand, like, what they're expecting. Also ask them their vision. Maybe you ask for, like, example pictures or something like that. I know some people don't like example pictures, but I honestly think sometimes it's helpful. So... Yeah, just make sure that you can weed people out so that you know, like, okay, I should book this client or I shouldn't book this client. And at the end of the day, if you feel like you don't know, like whether or not you should book someone, I would say just go off your gut feeling. And a lot of the times for me, I am like a yes, I'm a yes man and I have a really hard time saying no. So a lot of the times I'll get off of a call with someone and I'll just have this gut feeling of like, I just feel like I shouldn't take this or this just doesn't feel right for me. 
And so I'll, you know, I'll try to say no, or sometimes like that person will feel it on their, on their end and they'll actually like ghost me or like not get back to me, which is fine because like at the end, at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I didn't have a good feeling about this anyway. So I'm kind of glad that you ghosted me. <laughs> All right, the next hot take. Brands of cameras don't truly matter. <laughs> this person said, not sure if I truly stand by this, but I just want to hear about it. <laughs> okay, so does does your camera brand really matter that much? I don't know. I I think that there's a lot of people that like to start controversy over camera brands. And hey... I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not one of them. Like I've posted stuff about my Sony camera and stuff like that. Just to kind of stir the pot a little bit, (laughs) like to keep everyone on their toes. But do I really think that your camera brand matters that much? No. I mean, at the end of the day, a camera is a camera. Do I think that there are certain camera brands that are better for certain types of photography? Yeah. Like certain cameras are better for like action and sports versus like portrait or if you're going for more of like a film look. Yeah, I would say that sometimes your camera brand matters in that sense. But at the end of the day, a camera is a camera. A photographer is a photographer. Like you're going to take good photos if you're skilled and if you're you've got the eye for it. You know, I've seen this with like literally that little tiny Canon power shot that I bought for $200 from it's literally from like 2009 or like 2006. I don't even know. It's so, so like old school. And I feel like I can still take good photos on it. Like (laughs) not to toot my own horn because I feel like I've got the eye for it. But like, you know what I mean? Like you don't need a like an amazing camera brand or like at the end of the day, I don't know if the camera brand is really like what's impacting your photos. Okay. Something hot take something about <laughs> there's just something about second shooters trying to make your wedding seem like it's theirs. So a second shooter going in second shooting for a wedding and making that wedding feel like it's their booking and like making it feel like they're, it's their client. That that feeling is a little bit of a hot take. I feel like that that concept of like a second shooter showing up and acting like they own the place, that is a little bit frustrating from a like a main photographer's perspective. But I mean, there's something good about having confidence, you know, like I would rather have a second shooter that's confident and can like post people and stuff rather than like someone that like can't take control and like you know, I think everyone's different with the type of second shooter that they prefer, but that that's why I would prefer someone that can take control and take charge if they need to, like if I'm not there. But at what point <laughs> do they take it too far and then they start acting like it's their booking and their clients? I don't know. I've only second shot a handful of times. And the last time I second shot was last year. And I mean, I remember showing up and being like, this is a weird feeling because these clients aren't mine and I don't know anything about them. I don't know what they look like. I don't know their names. So I understand from a second shooter's perspective 
wanting to get to know them a little bit more so you can understand the story better and capture it better. But at no point when I'm second shooting am I like taking over during like the main photographer's portraits. Am I, I don't know, handing out my business card or acting like I'm like this main photographer. Like there are some things that the main photographer does that the second shooter does not need to do. Like connecting with the DJ or um, connecting with the coordinator, like timeline things. I, I think at that point, that's the main photographer's role. Granted, I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite here because I literally have Charlie go and talk to everyone for me because I don't like talking to people. <laughs> but Charlie is really good at that stuff. And that's his strong suit. And like I said, I prefer a second photographer who kind of can take charge for me sometimes. So, you know, that's a valid feeling and it's definitely a hot take. On that same line of second shooters, hot take, the rules for second shooters are getting out of hand. So this is like now going on the flip side for someone that maybe second shoots a lot, saying that like the rules that you have as a second shooter are literally getting out of hand. I have seen some pretty crazy rules for even like associate shooters and stuff. And it's just like, whoa, like I didn't even realize that this was a thing. But like, I guess sometimes photographers get burned and they want to make sure all their rules are covered as far as second shooters go so that they don't get burned again like they did. So like, for example, a second shooter going and like posting like their photos from the wedding, putting their edit on it, maybe tagging the couple, tagging all the vendors and sharing them before you even have sneak peeks out. That's something that I would say is a good rule to have in place. If you have a second shooter, like tell them you can't post the photos before I do. You can't tag the client or the vendors and stuff like that. That's understandable because at the end of the day, who ha- got the connections? The main photographer got the booking. They're the one that gets the connections. Um, you know, you're on, you're just on their team at that point. You're, you're working for them as a second shooter. I don't think you necessarily have a right to go and like try to get all the benefits that a main photographer gets. However, I know that there are some second shooter rules that are just insane. Like I know people that are like looking for a second shooter need to have 30 weddings of experience. You have to shoot on Canon full frame and you don't get any of the images after you can't use any of the images. In fact, you need to pay me. Like I know that there are some rules that are just crazy because I've seen people posting and looking for a second shooter and I've just seen these rules that are just like nuts. So I get it. I do think that there are some rules that are a little out of hand. I think if you take the photos, you should be able to at least have them and use them for your portfolio. That that's my thought. Otherwise, why are you second shooting in the first place? Maybe just to have wedding experience and kind of get used to weddings. But if you have nothing to show for it, like why would you even shoot the wedding in the first place? If you can't even use the photos, I don't know. I think there needs to be a good balance. Like I think the best main photographer most likely is going to be someone that has experienced second shooting and has seen things from the second shooter side and then can come and be in this main photographer role 
and they know how to shoot. They know how to treat a second photographer. Um, they know like, you know, what's reasonable to ask of them. I think that's going to be the best case scenario. I actually follow someone that was posting about like just crazy disrespect that they were experiencing as the second shooter from the main photographer to the point where they like almost left because it was like, like I'm being paid to be here, but honestly you are not paying me enough to stick around and deal with disrespect. So I think sometimes as main photographers, you take second photographers for granted and you don't appreciate what they're doing and they could just leave if they wanted to like, (laughs) honestly, sometimes I'm, I feel like low key. I'd be the type of person that if I was second shooting, I would just be like, yo, you're not treating me right. I'm, I don't have to be here. Now, would I actually do that? Probably not. I probably would stick it through, but you know, that that's kind of the perspective you have to have sometimes. Like that person's taking their Saturday to work with you or their weekend to work with you. And I don't know, just kind of like show them some respect. Okay. (laughs) Hot take, not using a camera strap is risky. I am not going to disagree with you on this one. Now, I don't use a camera strap, so I cannot relate because I am the risk. I am the problem. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. You know, but at the same time, I just feel like the camera strap gets in my way. It does. And I've only dropped my camera one time in the past, like, four years. I've never used a camera strap. And it was because someone hugged me and they knocked out of my hand. So now I know like don't trust the DJ to give you a hug and not knock it out of your hand. So that's the only time I've ever dropped the camera, but yeah, it is risky. And I actually shot with a girl who dropped her camera and then both, this was during the reception and then both of her cards went corrupt and she lost like all of her footage from the day, which sucked. So, I mean, yeah, it's risky. I'm not going to deny that it is. Am I taking the risk? Yeah, but should I? I don't know. Hot take. Posting sneak peeks before the client has seen the images. Yeah, don't do that, guys. Do not do that. I would say, like, send the email with the sneak peeks, and then then you can post them. You don't have to necessarily wait for them to view the gallery, but, like, at least send the email. I had this experience where someone's posted the sneak peeks before sending them to me. I think they were going to send them to me like within 10 minutes, but it just happened to be that I was on social media. I saw them right away. And in that moment, I actually started screenshotting the sneak peeks because I was like, I don't have these images yet. I want them. So I'm going to screenshot, which I know is like, you're never supposed to screenshot photography and like someone's work, but I never got the images. So I was over there screenshotting my life away because I wanted these photos so 100%, I, I don't think this is a hot tag. I think this is a rule. Do not post your client sneak peeks without sending them to them. Point blank, period. Don't do it. It's rude. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think it's very kind. And like they paid you to have those photos, like send them to them. Okay. That's the end of that. Send the clients their photos before you post them. A good photographer can make a crappy camera work. That is a hot take, but I agree. We already talked about this a little bit, but if you have the eye for it, you should be able to make any camera work and make it look good. Hot take. Photographers copying each other. I've been seeing this talked about everywhere lately. 
So they put copying in quotations, and I think the hot take is like someone copying them or like someone copying you. What is copying? Like that's kind of like the hot take. It's like where is the line? What is what is copying? What is not? Yeah, that that is a hot take. I think sometimes on the internet, it's it's easier to copy people than you realize because you're just inspired by things. You're consuming content all the time. So sometimes when something even feels original, you might be copying someone and not realize it. Copying each other, though, like, it's not okay. I know a lot of people, I, I don't know people that do it, but, like, I've seen many instances where people copy other people word for word, and it's happened to me many times. Um, so, I mean, if this happens to you, there are simple solutions. I've, I did, I think I talked about this on an advice column previously, but like you can block them, forget about them, or you can say something or you cannot say something. I feel like those are your three options and it just depends on how you handle things and how you deal with things, you know, (laughs) it's up to you. But I mean, copying is a real thing and I'm not going to act like it's not like it is. It happens. Hot take. Friends should support you at regular price. Yeah, that is a hot take. I know there are so many just different um, opinions on if you should offer discounts or not. I think at the end of the day, it just boils down to whether or not you can afford to offer someone a discount how close you are to them and maybe you don't even feel comfortable charging them full price because that's how close you are to them. Everyone's different. I do think if I were me being a friend to someone else, let's say that is a photographer or just offers a service in general, I I would want to pay them full price. Like I would offer to just pay what they normally charge if they don't accept that and they're like, actually, like I'm going to give you 50% off or whatever, I would totally pay that too. Like, but I'm not going to ask for a discount. I'm not going to force a discount either. I do think that supporting people at full price is a nice thing to do. That is a hot take for sure though. This hot take says blurry photos should only be in black and white and should, should have movement, not a still subject. Hey, you know, I think that you can, Loki, I kind of think you can do whatever you want. Like right now, I feel like the blurry photo trend is so, it's new, but it's just so creative and different that I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I mean, if that's how you want to do it, where you have movement with your subject and you only do black and white that's fun that's a signature thing that you're creating that's great and I mean for you it makes sense in your head like I only want my subject to be moving and that is what makes sense with having a blurry photo and then like you only wanted a black and white maybe for a certain vibe whatever I totally get that I have seen color color blurry photos that I love um I've seen like blurry photos that are on a still subject that I've loved. So I wouldn't necessarily agree with this one, but if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. At the end of the day, I don't think you should put someone in a box and tell them here's how you can or can't do a trend that is very creative right now. Like I, I'm not going to 
put a box and I'm not going to put blurry photos in a box because it's so creative and it's so different and everyone is doing it differently. That's just kind of whatever. Okay, this is a longer one. Hot take. I'm tired of people gatekeeping locations. I get not sharing it in the comments, but I don't like when people act like it's a crime to take photos at the same place as others. Like we're all trying to take photos here, so why not share locations to those who ask? Yeah, that that is definitely a frustrating feeling um, when people gatekeep locations. I mean, I I don't remember the last time I've really tried to figure out a location of some like a place that someone's shot at before um I just kind of like find my own places that I like now but I I get it like it's frustrating I do understand the side of someone that has spent a lot of time finding the spots that they like and then for someone to just be like hey where is that like but that photographer spent hours trying to find the right spot I wouldn't share with you either. If, if I spent hours like trying to find a spot, if it was like, I found this on my own, it's like this niche little spot. I don't know if I would share it because like, that's kind of my thing. And like, there does, like there is kind of a line where like, okay, if it's a public spot, like it might be easy to find, like just tell them. Or like, if I don't know that there are some times where I would tell someone and other times where I might not, Especially if the location that I found is like something that can really set me apart as a photographer and like really be kind of like my thing. I I get why you wouldn't share it. But if it is like, let's say just like a beach, (laughs) like I would share what beach I was at. Like, come on. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think people get a little afraid that by sharing a location, they're opening up an opportunity for someone to copy their work and try to be them or try to like replicate what they're doing. So I I understand both sides. But then as like someone that is just trying to find locations, um, I get that too. Like you're, you're just trying to get some good spots and you know, you want to be a part of community. And I understand like sharing locations to just help the community out. Like I totally would do that too. I see both sides. That is a hot take for sure. Cause there's both sides. Okay. If you're a wedding photographer, the day isn't about you. Ooh, hot take, but we know that's true. Like if you're over here acting like a wedding day is about you and you're taking photos of it, please stop. Like that is not about you. I th- never make a wedding about you. Okay. Cause like, yeah, I know sometimes as photographers, we feel entitled to certain things. We feel entitled to eating on time. We feel entitled to getting our full hour of portraits. But the minute you start making that their day about you, the more you are diminishing your client experience. Um, so that's that's not super cool either. Um, my neighbor's literally watching me. Okay, they just went inside. <laughs> Um, cool. <laughs> okay. Last hot take. You can wear a classy crop top outfit to a wedding. And they said that this hot take is based on comments on my reel. <laughs> oh, you guys, I just get all the, all the opinions. I ask for it though. Like 
I know if I'm going to post a wedding outfit, I'm wearing a crop top. I know people are going to say something. I mean, I think you can wear a classy crop top. I think you can make it work. I mean, I just think about what wedding guests wear and I think about those styles and like that type of thing. And then I wear something that I don't think a wedding guest wouldn't wear. Okay. That that's kind of my thought process behind it. I know some people that prefer comfort over the looks of a wedding day. That's fine. I know some people that prefer the looks over comfort. That's also fine. Um, I think as long as you're staying professional with it and you're not like, I don't know, you're not going past what is professional, then Hey, you do you, you guys all already know. I like to wear crop tops to weddings. Like it's whatever for me, but <laughs> that is a hot take though. I know like a lot of people would not agree with me on that. So, okay guys, that's the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening to some hot takes. I'm happily out here giving my opinions, but just remember all of this is just my opinion. So take it with a grain of salt because it's literally just my opinion. Thanks for listening. And I hope you liked today's episode. Have a great rest of your day. Exposure with all of the highlights and the shadows is my composure. All the layers above all the edits and tweaks I know her. I am so done needing more time developing in my red room. It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand. I'm taking it doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand whatever the moment wherever we stand I'm taking you taking you taking you getting a little bit higher with every step I take I'm getting good getting a little bit better I'm climbing to the top We're gonna stop finding good old shoes